Welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to episode 60. I'm Dan Stenberg. And I'm Mike Natal. We are your hosts. And today we're talking with Reverend Dr. Ryan Nielsen. Perhaps you've heard of him. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, include Daniel and our listeners and myself into your well of vast knowledge as we continue to go forward through another Church on Track episode. Thanks. It's a sh- it's a shallow, vast well. But thanks. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shallow, vast well. I, <clears throat> do those words all go together? That's a thing? Today we're in the early part of our latest Church on Track series. We just finished a series about things that get your church off track. This series is all about the positive incremental shifts that you can make to get your church back on track or to keep it on track. Here are the seven shifts we're covering in this series. One, from social club to missionary outpost. And two, from gathered to scattered. Three, from evangelist to missionary, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Four is from doing to equipping. Five, from committees to teams. Six, from unspoken to written. And seven, from internal to external. So Ryan, the first thing that uh, we want to talk about is the invisible barriers that exist in our society. Can you like unpack that a little bit for us? What exactly do you mean by invisible barriers? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So first of all, this is not original to me. So I I, I picked this up and learned about this in a uh, church planner training a, a few years ago, and I have not been able to nail down the original source. So someone listening will hear this and say, oh, yeah, this is a butchered version of so-and-so's <laughs> theory of whatever. If if you know it, please let, let us know. We'd love to hear that. So Yeah, put it in the comments or give us one of those rage emails. Yeah, we, we'd love that. Absolutely. So with that being said, there are these invisible barriers all over the place, and they are cultural, um, ethnic, generational, geographic, political and language barriers. So you see like on social media all the time, there's boomers versus millennials jokes, right? Where there's this kind of antagonism between these two different generations. That's an example of a, there's a generational barrier there that leads these two generational groups in funny, funny, stereotypical ways to like not really get each other or to be frustrated with each other that they think and act differently. And that's kind of at the root of all that humor. Well, there are all kinds of other barriers um, like when you speak different languages, that's obviously a barrier, right? right? right. When you are in, when yep. you're in different parts of the world, that's a geographical barrier. As we've seen recently in the last few years, politics can at times create a barrier where, especially we live in a time right now where we have two two big political groups that don't don't understand each other and communicate very differently, right? Uh, with you know, and there's a and and they have difficulty understanding each other. So that happens in all kinds of different ways. And each of these things is a sort of a barrier that makes it challenging or difficult to to understand one another. Right. So what do these barriers have to do with the shift from evangelist to missionary that we're talking about today? Evangelism is the communication of the gospel to people on your side of all these barriers. Okay. So wherever your cultural, generational political, geographical, if you kind of look at those as like bubbles or circles, Uh the people that you're communicating to inside, you would be doing evangelism. So that's sharing the gospel and you don't have to change your language. You don't have to travel to a different place. 
Uh-huh. It is people who understand the same concepts that you do. That would be evangelism. Missionary work, and, and missionary means uh, sent one. Missionary work is when you are sent across one or more of these barriers. So in North America, it's been common to think about our work of spreading the gospel as primarily evangelism, that we're right. mainly sharing the gospel with people who are very much like us. But right. that, that circle in which we can do this to share the gospel without encountering any of these barriers, if that's a circle, I'm not really making a circle with my hands, am I? Uh, not no, even close. Not dude. even close. That's, that's no. That the circle in which we can just share the gospel without crossing any barriers, that circle is shrinking rapidly. And it gets smaller mm-hmm. and smaller all the time. And for like really good, exciting reasons. We live in an amazingly diverse place that grows more and more diverse all the time. God is bringing people from all over the world to North America. We probably have all kinds of different opinions about that. It affects us different ways. You can have all kinds of strong opinions about how that makes you feel. But as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, that's an incredibly exciting, remarkable, positive thing. God is bringing people to us, mm-hmm. to North America, from, from all over the world, for one thing. Another thing is that just different cultural groups in our that have been in our country for a long time are moving around and locating to new areas. And so we're much more likely to encounter a more diverse population. And that is really a wonderful, good, and exciting thing. It can be scary. It can feel strange as we realize that things are changing. And unfortunately, sometimes it gets preached that way in church. Like yep. everything is changing. Things aren't the same anymore. And maybe some negative aspects of that are highlighted. But really at the root of this, God is doing something remarkable in the world right now. And it means that we have new, exciting opportunities to share the gospel. But it's got to happen in a different way. When we let our communication of the gospel remain in our culture, in our language, lined up with our preferences, we expect people to cross those barriers to hear what we have to say about the gospel. So we're unintentionally telling people, think about it, okay, people who don't know the gospel, we want you to change how you talk, change how you dress, the music you like to listen to, the rhythms of your week. And we want you to come into a building that's unfamiliar at a time that's probably inconvenient for you, and then we will tell you the gospel. And in reality, we, we more and more need to think of ourselves as missionaries, that we are called to be ones to cross over these invisible barriers and learn about the people in our communities and our neighborhoods and our workplaces. So in that instance, you're asking the people who you're trying to reach to be the missionary as opposed to you. Yeah. You are no longer the missionary. You're expecting them to cross those lines and come to you. Yeah. If you were raised in the church and if you weren't, there is likely a cultural barrier there. You could be all the same. You could speak the same language, come from the same ethnic group, be of the same generation, live in the same place. If if you've had different experiences just in, in faith, that alone can be a significant cultural barrier. Uh, so much of it is dealing with co- uh, comfort, right? Yeah. I mean, this is what we're used to. This is what we're comfortable. I mean, yeah. and I don't think that we even necessarily realize how small our evangelist circles are. You know, uh, some of us may not be in yeah. massively diverse populations, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a language barrier to cross. How do we tell people yeah. about about Christ? How do we tell people about uh, the the good news of Jesus? Without talking about being covered in the blood and and just some of these other words, these other phrases that though we've grown up with them, they're not scary to us. 
<laughs> no one wants to hear that. Like, dude, you guys are messed up. And so I think that that's just something that we also really need to recognize that this isn't just for those who are in areas that we would typically recognize as culturally diverse, but that even in our small little towns, we're speaking a language that people around us don't understand. And how do we adjust that? How do we get over some of these invisible barriers? Yeah, and think about it in terms of scripture too. There's invisible barriers that we see throughout Jesus's ministry. I think about the parable of uh, the prodigal son. And right there, the two sons had an invisible barrier that was between the two of them that they had trouble seeing each other's point of view. And I think that that that's something important to kind of point out um, that we all come from things from a slightly different standpoint. And I think it's important to realize that we're not all the same all the time, even within Christian circles, too. You know, we're talking about mission and evangelism here, but at the same time, there's also invisible barriers within the church and the community of believers as well. So as we get into today's uh, five ways that we can kind of shift and see uh, the importance of evangelism and mission, we have five different aspects that we're going to talk about. And so our first one is stop waiting for people to come to you and go to them. So Ryan, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that first way of shifting? Yeah, this is this is a, a great way you can make a big difference in, in making your shift from being an evangelist to being a missionary. You can stop waiting for people to show up at your church property. So say, you know, saying, hey, we have our worship service time on the sign and it, and, and it might even be the right time. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you come here to, to this place. No one's ever invited you here, but you, if you're brave enough to see that there's a, a time advertised on the sign, come to a place you've never been before. You may not know anybody. And, and if you listen to enough services, you may eventually, you know, you can Google the theological terms that we use casually and don't explain. And mm-hmm. you can eventually understand our terminology and our style of worship. And then you can figure out the gospel. That's, that's the kind of standard invitation that we in, unintentionally put out. And uh, for one thing, it assumes that people are out looking for something like that. And, and most people aren't. So, mm-hmm. so our main outreach strategy is waiting for people to come to us. So, so stop that and start going out. And really, like, this should be a bit of an encouragement, shouldn't it? Because, I mean, we have all these this – is, this is taking a sledgehammer to the attractional model of worship in, in many ways, right? When we're all competing well, for this, like, small little group. Well, yes and no. Yeah, like, I, I would argue your church still needs to be attractional, but it needs to actually be attractional. So your worship service should still be attractional by that. We mean like inviting to people, inviting people in. Um, but Right. But when we think of an attractional worship service, we typically think of like the big band and all of these like perfect things and all of the programs that, that we're looking for. And as a small church, we're like, ah, oh, I can't compete with some of this stuff. But if we're looking at this for more of an evangelist, like missionary type thing, you're talking about making a church service that's like comfortable for people, making a church service that's in inviting for people because you're yeah. crossing some of those boundaries 
to help them feel comfortable in your church as opposed to just trying to attract everybody that would be within your little evangelist circle. Now you're like saying, no, we're going to go out and we're going to get to know what our community, what what makes our community feel comfortable. We're going to get to know the language of our community. And so we're going to shape our worship service around the language of our community. And every little church can do that, right? Not every community is out there looking for the big band and the most talented preacher and all these different things. Most of our people are just wanting someone to care about them. And if your church is able to care about the people in their community, maybe you shouldn't be a church, right? Like that's yeah. that's part of what we're called to do. That's a big part of it. And so as I think about this evangelist and, and missionary uh, dichotomy, the, the, these two different things, it's encouraging for me as a pastor of a small church to recognize that if I am able to parse the language of my community, if I'm able to go to them, I'm not expecting them to just come to me, right? To just understand the, the context that my community is in, the, the context that my church is in, and understand their language, what they need, what they're looking for, being able to parse that and create a, an atmosphere within church that I am then yeah. inviting them into so that when they get here, they don't feel like they don't belong, yeah. right? Yeah. We're yeah. hoping that someday they come in, but when they come in, we don't want it to be like shock and awe. We want them to feel that, that this is where they belong. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that, absolutely. I, but yeah, I think if you're, if you're feeling insecure about your building or you, like you know there are things that you need to address or... You, things are not the way you would want them to be. Like this is really a huge relief to know that the the most important place where you're going to first communicate the gospel is out in your community. It's not inside that building. It's in your neighborhood, in your house, in your backyard, right. in in community uh, gathering places. That's where you where you're most likely to have conversations about the gospel. That's where you can start meeting people in your world and asking questions and listening. Yeah, so literally go and talk to people out and around the community, out and around the town. And what's really cool is that that seems to spur on the people who are already in your church. So yeah. like, for instance, about a month ago, our church did a, an outdoor scavenger hunt where we went to a local park. And what was really cool about it was that I saw people in my congregation who wouldn't really approach individuals go up and be like, hey, we're doing a free scavenger hunt. And if you uh, have time to do it and we're still here and you complete it, you get to win prizes for it. And to just see people being like, oh, that's great. Uh, Yeah, I'd love to be a part of that. And then to see what kind of birthed out of that initial hey, we're doing a scavenger hunt too. Well, why are you doing a scavenger hunt? Well, what made you put mm-hmm. this together? Well, why why would you come to this place? And then to be able to unpack each one of those and organically have an opportunity to share about the gospel, share about how right. we're a local church, share about how um, we're doing this because we want to get out into the community and encourage people and just have fun and show people that, you know, church can be fun. Like we, we have a social aspect to us and it was great to think about planning things like that because Daniel, you and me are in the same boat, man. We're, we're at a smaller church. And so I try to not burden my congregation with like a large drawn out, crazy, super needing a whole bunch of volunteers in order to pull it off. And we just did this one thing where it took maybe five of us total in order to do it. And each person shared a little bit and it was a huge success, which was great. And I think that we all need aspects of that where it doesn't take a lot, but there's a huge return. Yeah, man, going to them, 
being yeah. able to parse their language, letting them know you care. All that that stuff is is just so big in this evangelist to missionary shift. So that was uh, point number one. Stop waiting for people to come to you. Go to them. Uh, number two is teach each other how to learn and listen. So what are you where are you going with that one, Ryan? Yeah, I think I think this is uh, something that we can we can help the people in our churches. Um, most of us adults stop learning. Like when we encounter new things, we get frustrated. The older yeah. we get, we right, we all we all see that in life. Like, dude, I kids. tried to learn Greek at seminary, man. <laughs> Trying to learn another language is like this is nuts. I'm not built for this anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Language learning. I think the optimal time to learn a language is under the age of twelve. Yeah. So the older we get, the more frustrating you know new ex- new experiences can be, and there are always some you know wonderfully wonderfully rare exceptions to that. But in general, mm-hmm. when we encounter new things as adults, we can just get frustrated and. Like when my iPhone has a new update and they change the formatting of stuff, my first reaction is not, ooh, I want to learn and explore this. I, my first reaction is, oh, man, I have to learn how on earth to use my phone all over again. Yep. That can unintentionally be our reaction when we, when we encounter someone from a different background, someone yep. from a different culture, a different ethnic group, someone with different political beliefs, someone who speaks a different language, right? And we yep. just we may get frustrated like, oh, why can't they just be, be like me? Or why can't it be the same as what I'm used to? Yeah. Uh, so, and at the same time, we can get really frustrated at that. And then we see a story about a, a missionary on the other side of the planet that is living in a third world country. And they're, they're sitting on a mat, listening to somebody that speaks a different language, learning about their life. And we get inspired mm-hmm. by that. And so... Mm-hmm. I think teaching each other in our congregations, this is that opportunity for us. And it, we right. may not be sitting on a mat, but standing in your neighbor's driveway, hearing his or her story, it's that same kind of work. So, so much of that is like built up on the expectation, right? Like when you're going to be a missionary, that's the expectation. Like this is what you've you've trained yeah. yourself into yeah. is I'm going to go and this is, this is my life now. And we need to kind of train ourselves in that too, right? Like that, that's Absolutely. what you're saying is yeah. that... Yeah. We're used to like, this is how we do church, but that needs to change in that now we need to be in a situation where our expectation is that we're going to be uncomfortable or having to be learning new stuff as opposed to just, no, everything's going to fit into my box. No, I, I got to get a bigger box because yeah. I need to figure out how I'm going to be exegeting my community. I got to figure out, I got to recognize that now I'm not called to comfortable I'm I'm called to be like that missionary overseas sitting on the mat. But like you said, maybe it's standing in the driveway of a guy that I can't fully understand everything that he's saying, whether it's because he's using words that I don't know or because he's using concepts that I'm just not familiar with. But I need to get to the mindset that I am I am now a missionary in my hometown or in the town next to me yeah. or in another city across the United States mm-hmm. and that it's the expectation of being uncomfortable almost or, or having to be stretched for the mission of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. If you find yourself in that place where this is hard, this is difficult, I don't know if I even want to do this. I'd say pray that God will give you a new curiosity about beloved creation. And mm-hmm. and if your community is growing more diverse, you understand less, you understand it less and less. I just encourage you, like, I, I think the most diverse place we will ever see is going to be heaven. Yeah, man. And let's let's be reminded that that God has a beautifully diverse creation. And and these are people that God loves. 
and yep. and this is just a small taste of what the heavenly bank will be like. Amen. The other part of this is in addition to like teaching each other and encouraging each other to be learners, it's also to be good listeners. So if you, you don't know what to say to a neighbor, honestly, that's not a big problem. It's the way better thing you can do is to listen. And most people, most of us don't know how to listen or ask good questions. And that goes for people in the church as well. So so next time you have a conversation with someone, think about, man, did I ask them any questions? Or you, you may notice that you're asking questions and they don't ask any back. So right. most people aren't, they're not familiar with how to, how to be good listeners. So how to ask open-ended questions that allow people to share about themselves and to actively listen. Like, man, that is so wonderful. Most of the time we, when people are talking, we are thinking about what we're going to say in response, or we're thinking about what we're going to say about ourselves. We unintentionally make it about us. So listening when you're going next door to your neighbor and hearing his story, that will make it so much easier for you to eventually have a have a spiritual conversation. Mm-hmm. And and in the process you're going to learn so much about the world that your your neighbor lives in, what their values are, what their worldview is like, what gives them hope, what what concerns them. And learning all of that is going to help you know, okay, this is how I can share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that God gives us the opportunities to do that as we listen and as we learn from people as well. And I think that that's where the adaptability of the gospel comes from, is that as we listen and learn, the adaptation and how we share the gospel might be different, but the gospel itself is the same every time. But God's going to allow us to share it in a way that will impact that individual. So like, for instance, if you're going through the gospels, Jesus never shares the gospel in the exact same way ever twice. I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure you guys have noticed that, especially Ryan as a, as a, as a doctor, he definitely knows this. Yeah. But when you think about it, like I've got the cold sweats right now. I'm like, Oh no, was I supposed to know all this stuff? Like, uh, I'm failing. I'm failing. (laughs) Jesus's application of the gospel is judging us, Mike different too late. Um, Jesus, that's what happens when, when I listen to you guys, it's just naturally (laughs) and organic. No, no, no. Uh, but seriously, I'm like, I'm on a good thing right now. And you guys are just watching it. But yeah, I mean, think about it in terms of application of how how Jesus used it. He never used the gospel the same way. He he adapted it so that it was personal and impactful for the individual listener. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great and that's point. what we're called to do too. Yeah, and the more that we listen and the more that we learn about people, the more opportunities that we will have to do that. So as we listen and learn, we look for new ways to communicate the gospel and we look for ways to serve and bless others. So let's talk about serving and blessing others. As I said before, as we are listening, as we're learning about, you know, the people in our community and our mission field, we're going to identify new ways to communicate the gospel in a way that they will understand. And we're also going to discover what their needs are. What are the unmet needs in our community? And I I think that is something that is uh, really important and I think that's a critical part of doing our missionary work. So we read in the book of Micah, right? He has shown you a man what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to walk humbly, do justice and, and love mercy. And I think I just really mangled that one. But I, I think we think, okay, the only way we can communicate the gospel is a direct dialogue or statement or proclamation. 
and absolutely that's that is what we need to do but i i do believe and scripture tells us that doing so with humility is important doing justice and mercy are both important as well and so you know mer- mercy is you know one one definition of mercy can be um helping not giving people what they deserve and justice is getting people what they do deserve and all around us there are times where we can offer relief from pain and suffering and there are all kinds of people around us that that are being treated poorly that are not being treated fairly and there are people that are marginalized and forgotten and being a follower of Christ means that we look for ways to be like Jesus told us in the story of the good samaritan that we look for ways to love and serve people even if they believe completely differently from us even if we have conflicting worldviews and conflicting beliefs we're still called to love and serve those people and bless them. And I think that just makes the way we communicate the gospel so much easier and so much broader. You know, sometimes we just narrow it down to, well, you've got to give the right speech and figuring that out. And I, I think there is this is about a whole lifestyle of the way that we live with people. Part of my struggle even with, with this whole aspect of becoming a missionary is that it just feels like it's gotten so politicized. Like... I feel like some of these words have been co-opted. And so it can be hard to even have a discussion about loving your neighbor without trying to pull in, (laughs) without people automatically going to like a a political home. And and I think it's just so important for us to separate those two things and to recognize that loving our neighbor isn't a political thing. And if we're looking at it through that eyes, if that's where we immediately start going, we need to rewire ourselves a little bit. And, and just understand that loving our neighbor, pursuing justice, embracing mercy, all of those things are things that are very good. Like this is, this is what the gospel, this is what Christ has done for us is, is, is bring those things into our context. And so recognizing our context, recognizing where we're at and, and figuring out what is it, like what does justice and mercy look like to the people that I'm ministering to, right? What does justice and mercy look like to the people in my context? And how do I go about doing that? How do I go about helping them or, or being the love of Christ, being the, the things that the gospel calls us to be for the context that I've been called to? I, you know, it's remarkable. That's a great point, Dan. Like God told us in his word to love mercy and to do justice. And yet we can have this reaction when we hear those. You know, sometimes, especially in evangelical circles, there's this reaction of, oh, that means you're not going to share the gospel, that you are going to water down the gospel because you're busy doing kind things for people. And I would argue that we we need to think about that differently, that it's it's actually a part of how we share the gospel. It is not the watering down of the gospel. It is a part of the means by which we we share the gospel. So yeah, as we are listening and learning and looking for new ways to communicate uh, the gospel, the old, the old, old story, right? The gospel and look for ways to serve and, and bless others. That's, that was step three. Step four is where we're looking for areas where you are expecting others to change to be like you and then start to reverse that particular process. What does that look like, Ryan? Yeah. So this is really, you know, we've been talking about how, how we're going out. This one has a lot to do with what is happening at our church, like at our facility, what's happening at our building, what's happening in our worship service, what's happening in our programs and ministries. So, and I'm not talking about theology, right? That's something we do not change. We do not change our beliefs. 
I'm talking about how we how we express what we believe and how we teach and how we communicate and serve and work together. Those things gradually need to shift and change over time so that we can communicate effectively with people. But sometimes, uh, and maybe oftentimes, they don't. I'm talking about the words we use, the way that we dress, how we sing, the time that we meet, where we gather, how we do discipleship. A lot of times those things are geared to our preferences or our traditions. And that can mean that what happens in our services can be really confusing, right? So, you know, sometimes things can um, freeze in a church. So something Mm -hmm. is going well and people like it and they say, let's just keep doing this. And at one point that communicated well with the community, but then when you kind of lock into a certain style Mm -hmm. of worship or you lock into a certain kind of dress code, Mm -hmm. you can start to shift further and further away from values that the community holds without even knowing it. And then it can be like someone coming to your church, it can feel like they are stepping into a time machine. Paint on the walls, the carpet on the floor, the music that's being heard the language, the vocabulary and terminology that's being used, that those are all things that we don't normally engage in in our everyday life. When all those things are significantly different from the community around us, we're saying, if you want to fit in here, you know, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb unless you figure out all these things. Yeah, you, you can help with this a little bit. You know, if there are things you can't change about your church community, you can always put them on your website, like a what to mm-hmm. expect. Like, hey, this is just, you know, this is people arrive at this time and these are the things we do in our service and why. And people will sometimes hang out for a few minutes afterwards to talk. Like even that alone can can give people an idea of what to expect. And I, I think that's really good. But I'd say take a good hard look at what you are doing. And if someone came in off the street that's not a believer, that's never been in a church before, what things would be confusing to them? Or, or what, what things would be like, what, I, I don't understand how I'm supposed to worship with this kind of music or, you know, think about how you might want to shift some of those things. And then if you are doing things in your service that might be confusing for someone who is not a part of the church, explain what you're doing and why you do it before it happens. So like a, a two sentence ex- explanation of what communion is and why it matters before you actually have it is really, really good. That that's the kind of that kind of stuff that I'm that I'm talking about. So we do need to go out, but also when when we do want people to come to our church, and we do, right? We want mm-hmm. people to come to worship with us, especially as we've been building relationships, it is good to think about what are they going to experience when they do arrive mm-hmm. and to make sure that we're making efforts to communicate the gospel in a way they can understand. And it might mean changing the type of music that we use to sing our hymns or praise songs. It might, you know, it could mean that we intentionally dress a different way when we come to the worship service. It might even mean changing the time of our worship service to be, to better reach and communicate with people. So that's that's what I would call being like truly attractional. Mm-hmm. In that when 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 people do arrive, they do feel comfortable and welcome. That there are signs up so they know where to go, they know where to find the bathroom or the nursery mm-hmm. or, or things like that. There's a connection card in the bulletin so they understand how to get involved in things and how to find out more about the church or communicate with, with uh, somebody on staff. Mm-hmm. Just an example, I think in more and more communities, I was just at a, a church planner boot camp where we heard one church planner talk about his biggest enemy was Sunday brunch and that all the people he was trying to reach, they, they love Sunday brunch. I and mean, it's pretty tasty. A Sunday brunch has got to be pretty nice. Like <laughs> yeah. As a pastor, I, I don't even... I'm not even sure if I've ever had Sunday brunch. You know? I've never had that, no. Unless I'm playing hooky on vacation, which I never do. 
I never, I never do those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. So I, I left that conference. Yeah. I left that conference thinking, what's that church planner going to do? Is he going to compete with Sunday brunch or is he going to find another time to have a worship service that will more naturally connect with the people that he's trying to reach? And I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I think those are things that, that we need to need to be thinking about. I want to encourage us and our listeners that as we're hearing all of these ideas, these are not things where you should immediately begin to implement every single one of these changes all at one time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to encourage you that this is one of those things where you build into it. You go with the foundation of what you have, which is the gospel, mm. and you incrementally build in these aspects and then all of a sudden not only are you burnt out by doing it but you've also burnt out your congregation and there's a good chance that um as you're implementing it people might even get lost in the shuffle because it's important yeah. to convey vision for what you want to do not just abruptly make changes we're not talking about a jerk of the wheel we are talking about a slight incremental change as mm -hmm. we're going in order to go in a specific direction. Yeah. Um, so that's important to remember. So if there's anybody who is feeling overwhelmed, like myself, just hearing all of these, know that it's okay. Take yep. a deep yeah. breath yeah. and maybe just try to do one thing. So like, as you're listening to this podcast, if you're saying, Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, this is a good idea. Oh, this is a good, just pick one and run with it and see what happens. Don't try to do all of them. Yeah. And I would, as you know, your congregation, pick the one that's going to like, uh, frustrate them the least, right? <laughs> uh, like start with something simple and, and grow from there. I know we, we talk about it as like, you know, we have our traditions in the church and there's the capital T traditions, the ones that don't change, right? What we believe. And then there's the lowercase t traditions when we start our service, what kind of music we're doing, that, that kind of stuff. And there's some things that we're not going to change. Like there's some things that just like Jesus died on that cross. That's a thing. And we're never going to back off of that. But at what point in time of the day that we celebrate that, uh, at what time of the day that we talk about that, well, that can change. Those are things that, that we can be flexible on. And so what are your lower t traditions that that people are just really bought into that, that may need some shifting. And, and then what are our capital T? Don't worry, folks, just because we're changing when we do service doesn't mean we're changing what we believe. And, and just making sure that that is part of the communication as well is, uh, is vitally important for those kinds of moves. Also make sure that you have buy-in from other people before you change things like that. Yeah. Like changing a worship time is fine <laughs> because it's a little T but you changing the worship time without letting your elder board know or without appropriately talking to your church council um, probably isn't the best idea. It's just because pastor yeah. wants to sleep in. This is right. why we're doing this. Ah. Yeah. I, I think something, a major change like that, there's a whole process you want to go through before you, before you do something like that. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's just interesting to think about like 30% of Americans work on Sundays. So our main gathering time, a third of the population can't attend. And I think having options is the answer, not necessarily kill your Sunday morning service. I'm not at all right. talking about that, 
Right. But you may want to start a new service at a different time. But I mean, it sounds like Daniel wants to go to brunch. So maybe the key is to kill the Sunday morning. <laughs> I mean, service. brunch just sounds so good. Like, doesn't, how, how could, doesn't anyone think, who doesn't oh, want to go to brunch, man? What do you you guys, just get to eat breakfast, but more. And that sounds guys, awesome. What do you guys think about a 1 p.m. worship service with waffles? 100 percent. I'm in. I mean, I think that that's fantastic as long as it's not during football season. Oh, that's true, too. So now because, so like now I'm watching football people and then you got football people. Two very Saturday night people. <laughs> like and Saturday night just sounds say, really you know, good. Ryan, you're like, oh, 30% <laughs> of the people work on Sunday. Well, I mean, realistically, 30% of all people work every day. Like, think about it that well, way. Yeah, so you're saying 30% of people are working on Sunday. Well, there's more than that working on every day. So like, you know, picking something. I think it's, I think it's a matter of accessibility. Well, that, that's yeah. a good reason to have options. Yeah. So that the question isn't, can we go to worship or not? It's, which service are we going to? Are we going to the Thursday night service? Or are we going to the Sunday morning service? Like that right there, you can open up a, a whole new group of people that you can gather with and connect with. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we spent some time on the five uh, shifts from evangelist to missionary. We have one more left, but I would love to backtrack and share uh, the first four really quick with you as we wrap up on our fifth. So the first one is stop waiting for people to come to you. Go to them. The next one is learn and listen. The third one is uh, find new ways to communicate the gospel and look for ways to serve and bless others through it. The fourth one um, is where you're expecting others to change. Look at those areas and then start to reverse that. And then our fifth shift is when you highlight global missionaries in your church always try to tie it back to your call or our call to be missionaries. Ryan, you want to unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, I think um, especially in our church body, there people really uh, get passionate about supporting global mission work and being involved in it and hearing about it and seeing it visualized in photos and videos and hearing stories about it. And it is a beautiful, important, powerful thing that type of mission work. And so we should uh, harness the opportunity that that presents to communicate to our own congregants how we also have a calling to be missionaries, to look at what they're doing on, uh, in another country and say, this this thing that may seem very foreign or exotic or, or unique or very, very special, this is also what we are to do as well, that we are tying it back and reminding people that this is also the calling that God has for us. We're, and we're not necessarily crossing as many barriers as those global missionaries are, mm-hmm. but there are those. We do have barriers in our community that we need to we need to cross and and do that kind of mission work. And I, I think helping people relate that, uh, helping people relate to that missionary calling, using those wonderful experiences and things that people are really highly value, is a great way to do that. And I think it also helps avoid that we we have a complacency too. We might, in the back of our minds, be thinking, well, there's other churches. Even if we don't do a good job sharing the gospel, there's another church that will. I mean, no, we're, we're being disobedient to the Great Commission when we think and act that way. And so putting that in front of people 
uh, man, I, I think it's exciting, it's empowering, and it can help people understand the calling that God has on their lives. So much of that comes back to, again, recognizing those invisible barriers, right? The invisible barriers for people yeah. going overseas, they're, they actually are fairly visible, right? Like they feel yeah. more visible, we get it. Uh, yeah. But then recognizing that those invisible barriers that they are crossing also exist for each of us and recognizing so that, yeah, so we yeah. are also called yeah. to be missionaries, even though it's easier to like focus on, ah, like that's actually, no, we're, we're all called to, to mission work. And that's, that's just really important for us to embrace, important for us to recognize, important for us to take like really seriously. The same passion that, that God has for those people overseas, God has for your neighbor. And, and how are you like, understanding the the barriers that are between you and and your neighbor and your community and and how are how is God calling you to to cross those invisible barriers what gifts has he given you what talents has he given you what what passions has he given you that that uh, enable you to recognize the barriers that are there and then to be a missionary in your community wherever God has planted you Well, thank you all for listening to our show today. Don't forget to subscribe to our show, and and we'd love it if you shared the podcast with a friend or a colleague. Thanks for listening, Ryan. Thanks for for breaking a bunch of this down. Uh, Thanks for bringing me in on this stuff, guys. This has been pretty fun, and we will see or hear or talk to all of you guys next time. Word up. Peace out. See you guys. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.